Hey, this is Todd Poole, Roxy Blue, and you're listening to David and Chris on Digital Kill the Radio Star Podcast. Rock and roll! It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. And welcome back to another edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. It's been a while since we've uh, talked with you guys. Uh, sorry about that, but uh, we are back now. Got a uh, quick, fun little episode for you. Do want to tell you before we get started to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, Instagram, Digital Killed, the Radio Star Podcast. Like our page on Facebook, and you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, Earpeeler.com. Uh, Earpeeler, if you're not familiar with, is a website that uh, indexes podcast and uh they have some really cool search functions on there so um if you'd like to uh go on there and and listen to our podcast and as well as discover some others that would be uh it'd be cool and uh we do appreciate all the the feedback we've been getting and the the likes on uh, facebook and the new twitter followers and um those of you that leave us uh, five star reviews on itunes really appreciate that keep those coming because that helps to uh, raise our profile this is our last podcast before the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2. Chris and I will be, uh, well, I'll get there Thursday. Chris will get there Friday night, and uh, the expo will be on Saturday. So I uh, want to thank everybody that donated under our name. Uh, some of you will be at the uh, expo, uh, and um, I've heard from at least one person wants to come and uh, hang out with us and talk to us. So uh, that'll be cool. Get to meet everybody that, uh, that listens to us. So this week we have a, a kind of a quick fun podcast, just something we could put out here because it's been several weeks since you've heard from us. Uh, I have my partner in crime, Chris, on the phone. Mr. Craig, how are you doing this evening? No complaints, other than it's, uh, it was a Monday, but the Monday's over. How are you? Oh, man, uh, I can't complain at all. Uh, work wasn't too bad today and uh, got home at a decent hour, so... Uh, no complaints. Well, since um, our last episode, uh, you went to Chicago and got to see uh, the Gaslight Anthem on their 59 Sound review, and uh, you and I haven't spoken too much about this, so uh, why don't you give everybody a quick synopsis of, of the show and uh, and your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, it was just, th- these guys have been one of my favorite bands since uh, I first heard the 59 Sound, and bought everything that they've put out since, and just, yeah, I mean, Fallon solo records, everything. And I, uh, I'd seen them once before. I saw them probably uh, just a few months before they decided they were taking that uh, you know, indefinite hiatus, which they probably already knew, and that they were going to do that. But, um, yeah, when this tour came around, they announced they are going to be doing the uh, 10-year anniversary of 59 Sound. I, I knew I had to be there. And, yeah, it didn't disappoint. They were... Uh, they were just outstanding. It was cool hearing that album beginning to end. Um, you know, covered the basically their just career retrospective. Uh, Matt Mays, the opener, was just insanely good. He came out and sang on national anthem with them. It's strange and, that that he's not more well known in the states. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot of those guys that aren't known that aren't that popular that are American. You know, and here in Canadian music never really does that well. 
you know. And surely there's other good Canadian mu- music than Ron Adams. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just never, they've never really caught on. But this guy was outstanding live. And um, Gaslight was great. And uh, cool, cool thing, uh, Buddy and I, we were, uh, before the show got started, we ran into the uh, the bassist, and he, uh, we were talking to him, and and uh, Keaton's like, hey, I'm trying to press him as far as you're gonna keep this thing going and all that, and he wouldn't, he was just smiling, and he was he wouldn't even, basically wasn't saying anything. As he started to walk off, he looked at us, he smiled real big, he went, just remember, we never broke up, and uh, that was almost kind of, almost like a wink, like, hey, it, we're coming back. At least that's the way I took it, and I'm going to choose to believe that until I find out otherwise. All right, so, so I, and and I've, I've said all along, I think the, the the response is probably so much more than they expected that I think it's going to be hard for them to ignore. Well, you said in, in a, one of the texts that you sent me that you don't know if you've ever been to a show where the crowd sang that much and that loud. No, I haven't, and um, you know maybe you can we can post up a quick little. Uh, I don't film like whole songs or whatever, but I can film just something to show how that was. But yeah, it was. Even in New York, it wasn't the same way. When I saw him in New York, it, it wasn't the same. You know, that's almost that's pretty much their backyard. Now it was yeah. every song, every word, and it said, and it sounded like almost the entire place was singing every word to every song the whole night. It was it was crazy. Well, so I know it's a general admission <laughs> show, but the videos you sent me, it looks like you guys made your way up to the balcony. Is that right? Yeah, we had. To, I mean, the floor was so packed, and um, my. We were never going to be able to get near the front, and uh, you know, you, you know, you're going to have a couple of beers, and then you're going to have to go take care of business, and you'll never get back to the front anyway. So, balcony was pretty much packed, and we got lucky. We found these two seats we were able to squeeze in that were available. Probably about the only two that were up there. And um, only knock on the show is they had some AC trouble, and you know, heat rises. Mm. So it was really hot in the balcony, but you know, hey, it was worth it. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, those kind of shows when you get in there and it, it gets so hot, and I, that happened to me in uh, New Orleans when I saw as the crow flies. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to ride the rail and be up front." And uh, they, I think they, a, I think they oversold the the venue. And of course, you know, it's New Orleans where the humidity is even worse than it is where you and I are. And uh, that's just not a that's not a fun feeling when you when it gets that hot and stuffy and you're just you feel kind of like a caged animal. Yeah, I mean, they were clearly at this place because it wasn't even a hot day. In, I mean, it was low 80s in Chicago that day. And um, I, somebody had told us that they, you know, they saw the HVAC people out there trying to work on They, I mean, they, they were aware. And I guess they just never got it fixed it right, you know, by showtime. And who knows, they see it may have been running by showtime. But, I mean, you pack that many people in. If it hasn't been on, it's you go all night, it's still not going to cool off. Right, that's that's for sure. Well, uh, Chris, I texted you the other night <clears throat> uh, to ask you if you had Showtime, and uh, I, th- I think you responded that you didn't. Is that correct? Correct. Well, so I stumbled upon this documentary on uh, Leonard Skinner, and I think it's entitled If I Leave Here Tomorrow, and it's clearly kind of, I guess, was made because they're on their farewell tour right now. But uh, if you're out there and you're a fan of music, or even if you're not really even a fan of music, but I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, so if you're a fan of music, it's a really good documentary about one of the great American rock and roll bands. And I think a lot of times, at least I kind of forget how good they really were just because, you know, they have kind of a stigma attached to them now, and uh, they, they really they really were much more than just a quote unquote Southern rock band. And it's just, it's a really interesting documentary showing where they came from. They came from, they came from pretty bad poverty. And like Ronnie Van Zant said in this, you know, most of these songs that I write are true. Either it happened to me or somebody I know, but you know, they, they were the first that really just revolutionized that three guitar attack and, and probably have done it better than, than just about anybody. And you also forget just the, the their songs, man. They were so good. Forget about "Free Bird" and "Sweet Home Alabama" and "Tuesday's Gone" and "Simple Man" and um, all of that, which most bands would give their right arm to have those four songs. But 
their catalog was just so deep and so good. Uh, I, I just, I really, I can't recommend it enough to uh, to go and watch it. Like I said, it's called If I Leave Here Tomorrow, and it's on Showtime for sure. And I think it was made for Showtime, so you may have a hard time finding it anywhere else. But Chris, that's a band that we really haven't talked a lot about on this uh, on this podcast, but it's one that you you see a wide range of artists refer to them uh, as being inspirations, and especially with that three guitar attack. Well, I take it Greg Dooley recently saw that documentary because he did tweet today that they were one of the greatest America or one of the greatest bands of all time. So that kind of shows what you're saying. I mean, Greg Dooley doesn't seem like he'd be a big Skinner fan, right? But he called him one of the greatest bands. Yeah, uh, just a really, really good documentary. So as usual, Chris has found uh, found some new music for us to listen to. He was um, describing it to me before. Uh, we went on the air and I joked with him, Oh, if you found some type of black metal acapella group, but, uh, mm. that's not, that's not the case. So, uh, Chris I went a little bit normal. I went a little bit more normal this time. Conventional. Um, hey, speaking of which, speaking of which, uh, we got a, a shout out last night on, um, the growing up rock podcast. Um, you know, we re- reviewed Sonny Pooney's, um, I, the debut album from the storm. Um, on our on our podcast because he donated to the uh under our name to the rocking pod you know and we had some fun with him and just uh just really uh really ripped that that cd well i gave him one in return uh one that we'll talk about here in a couple of weeks that i really like uh, z by my morning jacket and uh sunny had a good time with that one and then uh you know they they uh they really kind of tipped their hat to us that uh you know how diverse our musical tastes are and uh, anyway, so uh, Sonny, I appreciate that, and uh, they said they uh, they loved us on there. So uh, we'll see those guys. Actually, we'll see them a lot this weekend because I believe their table backs up to ours. So anyway, Chris, uh, yeah, um, go go ahead with your uh, with your well, new music. Yeah, let's keep the diversity going. Then first, I'm gonna go with a band we talked about before. I got two two albums. This one came out about. I guess it's been about three weeks now, but um, new uh, hometown band for me, Lucero. They uh, put out a new album. This is uh, it's an album called Among the Ghost. And uh, it's, for me, it's the best thing Dave's done in several years. It's, uh, for any of y'all that, that anybody out there that's listening, you know, that is, if maybe if you don't know about Lucero, they're, uh, I mean, I guess kind of an alt-country type band. Um very simple, um, alt country fused with punk. I would say, uh, definitely you hear punk roots. If nothing else, you hear it in Ben Nichols' voice. And uh, you know, the early records were just real, based down, a uh, real stripped down. They, um, you know, as Mike Ness would say, Associate Distortion said on um, on the uh, Live at the Roxy. Sorry, homie, we don't know, we don't do no happy songs. Uh, their songs are just kind of depressing and on. They um, past few albums, they added, you know, they added horns to it, and they just kind of got a little bit more upbeat. And they had some good. It, they had some good. There were some moments on there. Um, the thirteen seventy two over in Park, I really liked that one. And uh, but I, I guess I, I was ready for return to form. And they went back to this one. They said that's what they wanted to do, and they did it. They stripped it down. And they just released a killer album, in my opinion. Again, best I've heard from them in a very long time. You know, if you're if you've never really listened to Lucero, might be a good time to start. Try this album out. You know, first song I'll tell you to listen to would be to my dearest wife. Its uh, inspiration was letters from uh, soldiers in the Civil War writing home to their wives. Um, very, very cool. And then the. Um, song for the lonely ones is just outstanding really like this record um they're the boys from memphis lucera boys they're back with a great one from from what i the the few songs i've listened to off of it i think i've listened to like the first three um i did like them and i think lucero is an anomaly for you and me both in the opposite direction um you're a huge you know you're a big lucera fan you go to their their annual uh block party every year at least twice a year yeah you know in memphis and i I went with you one year 
um, and you really like them, and you really like um, the Gaslight Anthem, but then you're kind of cold on the drive-by truckers. And me, I like the Gaslight Anthem, and I love the drive-by truckers, and I'm kind of cold on Lucero. And I, w- I was talking to uh, Anthony Whitehead, who was on our drive-by truckers episode one time, about this because he he loves Lucero and he loves drive by truckers, but he doesn't like the Gaslight Anthem. And he was like, everybody's response to him is, "How can you like Lucero and not like the Gaslight Anthem?" So mm-hmm. I, I've always thought that was kind of strange about you I and I. I want to understand. You know, I mean, I, I like both bands and you know Ben Nichols and Brian Fallon. They're all kind of in that group. You know, Chuck Reagan and the guys from you know Trio and all those guys. They're they're all buddies. They toured together. But I can see Gaslight and, and honestly, I can see Gaslight and Lucero. Not you may not like both. I think you have a better statement when you ask about drive-by truckers and Lucero. And I don't dis- I don't dislike drive-by, but I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, no, it's the beauty of music. One, you know, it's. <clears throat> You hear one thing and I hear something else, and there's it, we're both we both hear the same thing, but we both interpret it differently. I mean, that's kind I think, of the, I think put it this way: I think I would be a much bigger drive-by trucker fan. I don't dislike them, but I think I'd be a much bigger fan if it was if the vocals were all Patterson Hood, a hundred percent Patterson Hood. I think I'd like them a lot more. Really? Did you like Did you like the Isbell songs when he was in and sang? Not as much as Patterson Hood songs. Hmm. That's interesting. I just, that's, I, just that's... Like, I just like Patterson. I, I guess I just like the the gravelly. Look, here's the thing about Jason Isbell. He's fine. Um, that Southeastern that he did that everybody loved, that is a really good record. But for the most part, you know, call it sacrilege. I can take him or leave him. You know, I'm just not the biggest fan. It, just like you were saying, it's, it's just, it's music. It's subjective. Again, I don't hate him. I think Southeastern is a really, really good record. Outside of that, like I said, take him or leave him. You know, um, I'll never have somebody playing Jason Isbell and be like, "Man, what in the hell are you playing?" You know, it's it's fine. It's fine music, but it doesn't necessarily captivate me. So, what is the uh, what's the the new band that you actually discovered today? Kind of tell everybody how you discovered them. Yeah, I guess this would be a first time I've ever you know talked about somebody the day. I discovered them, but that'll show you the impact they made. Um, now, nobody ever does that. And I was driving today, and on Little Stevens Underground Garage on Sirius, which I highly recommend. Most people probably don't ever listen to that station. They probably don't think about it. It's one of the best stations on Sirius. Yeah, it's a good one. And, um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite ones. And he was playing this. I was flipping the stations. A song was on. And the song just hit me immediately. It's a band called um, Jeremy and the Harlequins. And the album is called Remember This. Well, they were playing on Underground Garage. They were playing a song called Starlight, which is just a great, great song. And I'll show you how, what, exactly what I thought of it. As the song's playing, I'm looking up to see what album it's on. And as soon as the song is over... I start the song. I start the album from the beginning and played it all the way through. And I probably listened to it all the way through three times today. Um, it's, I mean, at the core they're just a rock band, but there is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rockabilly influence in there. A lot of rockabilly sound. Uh, I would the song I mentioned, Starlight, is great. Uh, Remember this is a really good one. My, uh, maybe my favorite one on there's a song called Hold On. And then they do a really cool version. It's a great little cover of uh, Madonna's Like a Prayer. Um, I know sometimes I throw out some stuff to people or it's going to be a little bit of a stretch from the like, like Death Heaven. But this band has probably hit me as much as a band, as a, you know, as a, as a new discovery for me. Probably hit me, you know, about as much as anybody has since Death Heaven. Um, well, I just, pull, I just pulled them up on my phone and saved the album, so... 
Uh, it's on, good. On my 45-minute drive to work tomorrow, I will uh, I'll give it a listen. And it's only been, I figured this was going to be one of those things, and they have a few albums out, but I figured this was going to be one of those things, like, you know, how long has this been, you know, several months, whatever. No, it's actually released just last Friday. So it's it's brand new. I, you know, these guys are promoting it. They're out touring, I've looked. I've already seen they are playing Nashville, I think, on a Friday. Who knows, I may find myself there. So give these guys a chance, Jeremy and the Harlequins. All right, so yeah, listen to uh, Chris's recommendation. He usually doesn't steer people wrong. Um, I still find myself. I Chris, you'd be proud of me. Uh, last week, I was my wife's law firm had a retreat, and so she was uh, gone all day. And so um, I was uh, just doing some stuff around the house, and man, I had Dream Car cranked on on the home theater system. Uh, listen to the whole album. I, I still really, really like that album. That's probably. That gaslight's probably your two biggest uh, things you've turned me on to. But yeah, really good stuff. Um, so anyway, this week, like I said, we're going to be kind of a short episode. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, uh, just uh, kind of lighthearted, nothing, nothing serious. We're going to talk about uh, bands that we would like to see reunite. And uh, Chris and I have exchanged our list. We have three in common, which uh, I kind of all three of them I pretty much thought we would we would have. Uh, I think Chris and I may have used a tad bit different um, criteria. Uh, my criteria that I used was everybody still had to be alive. That uh, and Chris, I think, is going to use a um, a loophole on one of those um, bands that um, that he has. But you know, in this day and age, um, we've seen a lot of bands reunite that uh, you know we never thought we would see play again. Um, you know, uh, well, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking about when I when I did this. It's it's a little bit harder to do this list now than it's been in the past because right. fortunately there there are a lot of great bands that have reunited lately, and you know the ones that really do it for me is um, yeah one of my one of the bands that I just going through high school and college that I just really really loved Life of Agony. I, I didn't think they were going to be they do an occasional nostalgic show, but now, I mean, they're full blown. They're working on their second record, you know, since the reunion, uh, faith no more. I never thought I'd see them reunite. They absolutely hate each other and they didn't just reunite. They put out an amazing record. I was able to see them live on that tour. Afghan wigs, one of my favorite bands, they're full force, two great records. We just talked about them recently. And then I'm gonna give you a little segue. I'm not to steal thunder, but I want you to go and back this up because I feel like GNR has reunited, and I know it's not complete, but it's pretty close. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah. Let's just talk about them because I have them on my list. Um, you and I saw them. I guess it was probably two years ago now in the Superdome with the Cult. Yeah, and man, just you know, blew us away. And I accidentally deleted some of the video off my phone, but I, I doubt you remember this, Chris. But you know the lights went down and uh it was a it probably took on a minute or two for the show to start and there's you know you could just there's so much excitement in the air and <laughs> i caught myself playing it back i could hear myself go did you ever think you were going to see this again and you just go no <laughs> and yeah. uh anyway well what i what i'm saying what i'm getting at is um you know they've toured now with uh slash and duff and uh uh fortis and um Dizzy Reed and uh, the young lady on keys and uh, gosh, the drummer's name uh, is it? Um, is it starts with an F? Is it yeah? Um, anyway, Frank. Is, it, is it Frank Ferreira? Yeah, I think that's something it. like that. Anyway, my apologies to him, but he's not listening anyway. Um, you know, they've reunited and they've toured. You know, basically for two years. And you know, Slash was on Eddie Trunk recently and said, you know, they all want to d- do some new music and. You kind of think, you know, at some point this play in the stadium thing is gonna is gonna peter out. You know, you just there's very few bands that can do stadium tours three years in a row and and you know consistently sell them out. But I think it would be a great marketing ploy if because you've you've probably exhausted people like us that are going to go see them once or twice. You know, you've exhausted that. If you got back with Izzy and and uh, Adler. And kind of do what Gaslight did. Part of it be we're going to play Appetite all the way through. You know, they just released that massive box set, the nine hundred dollar box set, and I just think I would I would pay. 
you know, we paid a lot of money to see them the first time, and I, I would pay a lot of money to go see that version because really, you know, Adler's last performance was at Farm Aid um, well before the Illusion albums came out when they played um, Civil War, which was a song nobody had ever heard, and then they played uh, the the UK Suggs song, Down on the Farm, which made its way into Spaghetti Incident. If you go back and watch that, when they go to take the stage, Adler trips and falls into his drums. And so there's not just a ton, you know, of footage and things of that nature of that band playing, you know, in, in arenas and, and, and stadiums because they did the Appetite tour and then, you know, Adler's out and they bring Sorum in and Izzy records the album. And I think he may have played a couple of shows on the Illusion tour before he quit. And I know they had to bring him back for like a, 10-day run because uh, Gilby broke his hand, but it would just be fun to see that and, to you know, there's just, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like there's this almost like myth about Izzy Stradlin, you know, you just, you don't hear a lot from him, he's kind of a recluse, and I don't know, I would pay a lot of money to see them come back and play Appetite from beginning to end with the original band, and if I did that, like, while they're on stage, just have it be them, have Dizzy step off, have the young lady that plays, uh, you know, whatever, the keyboards or whatever she plays, has her step off. And uh, I'd pay a lot of money to see that. What about you? I mean, I get it. And I see where you're coming from. And I mean, I counted it as already, them as already a reunited band because, first of all, other than maybe an occasional show, you're not going to get Izzy. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. He doesn't want to do it. I think he's walked away, and I don't think we'll ever see him on, you know, on in a big touring capacity again, ever. I may be wrong. So I just don't, I, I don't think we're going to get that one. Um, now I realize the point of this is to talk about what you would want to see, not, you know, has to be possible. But um, I feel like we got about as good as you can get. And honestly, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure they believe that Adler's got the chops. You know, um, kind of like the criticism they had of Bill Ward of Black Sabbath. They didn't really think he could do it anymore, not the same way. And with everything Adler's been through, I don't know that he can do it. Um, you know, and then I'm sure a lot of it, too, is they just don't trust the guy. I mean, that, that guy is going to, seems like it's forever going to have substance issues. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think you got a good, I, I wish I would have been happy. I mean, I was already happy to see him get back together. But I would have been cool with Sorum on drums and Gilby on rhythm. And I would have been cool because then it would have still felt like a full reunion to me. I, would, um, I mean, and, at this point, I would take that. Yeah, that's still a full reunion to me because, I mean, God, they were, that lineup was, was playing just as long as the other was. Played more shows, probably, as far, and, a, a, as, far as like, you know, once. Appetite came out. I'm, you know, the GNR played a lot before that, but I mean, yeah, no, I hear you. All right, Christopher, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you start rattling, rattling, uh, rattling one off? Well, let's, uh, let me go and knock out my uh, dream, my dream bill. I mean, the dream show more than any. That would be Uncle Tupelo. Um, you know, I'm. If it were not for the success of Wilco. I would say this was be a lot more likely. And I still think it is likely at some point, or at least there's a good chance of it. And there may be a few one-off shows, but I, I could see them doing something. But I think that Wilco is just so much of a bigger band that Jeff Tweedy want to step backwards. Um, granted, he'd be stepping back from a mediocre band to an incredible band, but I know he doesn't see it that way. Because um, it seems like those two have, though they're still not buddies, it seems like they're okay with each other now. And I know our mutual friend has kind of hinted to me before about he's seen some stuff like, and I can't remember, I'd have to talk, we'd have to talk to him, but he's seen some stuff that looks like that, you know, it might actually happen at some point. So, you know, and and I say that maybe there wouldn't, it's so much, you know, Wilco's so much bigger, but, you know, they. I know they haven't built up quite the cult following that, say, the Misfits have, 
the Misfits, nobody ever saw them when they were to- when they were together as a band. Well, not yeah, a lot of people saw Uncle Tupelo. But what I'm saying is, that people weren't even go. Yeah, and people weren't even going to the shows really. At, you know, just hardcore punk fans. And now they're, they they you know, they played L.A. Forum. They played the arena in Jersey. They played uh, in Vegas. And it's just it's crazy. So who knows? Uncle Tupelo might could do that. I'm not quite. I don't think it wouldn't be quite that big, but still. A lot bigger than it ever was. Yeah, I had them on my list as well. Uh, if they did come back, I would like to see uh, John on bass. Um, kind of that anodyne um, era um, part of the band. Well, they would have another player with them. I mean, I, as much as they've done that, you know, they have those guys haven't performed like a trio in so many years. I don't think there's any way they would just go with a full blown trio. So somebody would be in the band, right? Yeah, I think it would. I think it would do good. I think they could do. I think in select cities they could probably do two to three thousand seat, you know, places. Um, and, you know, and I don't remember them really touring all that much outside of the southeast and the Midwest. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I've seen that stuff before. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but I'm sure they didn't. You yeah. know, I mean, like I said, they. It's the same thing as like you know. I, I, those, it, it, then I think the Misfits is a good comparison. They weren't just driving around, you know, getting big shows all over the country all year long. Right, it didn't work that way for them. They became bigger in their breakup. Well, I mean, there there have been people with worse issues than Jay and uh, Jeff. To Face get- No More is I'm telling you, that's an extreme one. When I say they hate each other, I'm not talking about they just don't get along that well. They, they, they've been known to literally all hate each other. Yeah, so I I, I think. Um, I bet, I bet we see it. Maybe for like a two or three week run, and that's it. You know, if nothing, else, if nothing else, they get together and play. You know, two or three nights in a row in St. Louis. Right. Yeah. Now, I think, I think if they did that, like in St. Louis, I think they, I think you could, you know, it could be almost like a residency or whatever, and and people would come from all over because, you know, so many times I've seen Jeff Tweedy like talk about Uncle Tupelo from the stage and everybody go crazy. And he's like, how many of you saw Uncle Tupelo and all these people would clap? And he's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. There's nobody there, you know? Yeah. Um, They they definitely grown in folklore, just like you were saying about the Misfits, you know, once they they broke up and then once, you know, Jay and Jeff kind of took their bands to, uh, um, you know, different levels of, of fame. But, yeah, I think we'll see it. All right, so my next one is going to be one that Chris and I share in common, and that's going to be R.E.M. We talked on one of our podcasts about we thought that Collapse Into Now, the last R.E.M. album, was one of the our favorite last albums by a band, and uh, nothing would make me happier than for uh, that that uh, statement to be uh, irrelevant, um, and that they would get back together and do, um, you know an album and a tour. I would love for them to do a tour. The, the last two albums, I thought I thought Accelerate was, was good, and I thought Collapsing It Now was really good. Everybody's still alive. From everything I've ever read, there's not any, you know, hard feelings um, no. between everybody. And, you know, Peter Buck plays all the time. So does Mike Mills. And they, those guys occasionally will show up in Athens and, and, pl- and play a song with Bill Berry and, I think it would be really cool because you and I saw them on um, their last tour uh, in Atlanta, you know, and it was sold out. It was probably, you know, 10, 12,000 people there. So it's not like they called it a day, you know, when they're drawing a thousand people somewhere. They they did go out, you know, kind of on top. But I just, I can't see with, with, you know, they all get along with one another. Everybody's healthy. Um, and, you know, I think, I think Peter Buck and Mike Mills especially just have this creative bug, you know, and they constantly have to scratch that itch. And I just can't help but think that there's, that they've got another run in them. I think we'll get something, you know, do we get an album? Maybe not. Do we get a, you know, an every summer tour? Probably not. But will they get together occasionally and maybe do a quick little run? I think that's very possible. 
Now, will Bill Barry jump on board? I don't know. He might. might maybe the fact that he, they've been broken up for a while, and if it's a, if it's small, you know, like say 20 dates, then I could see him doing something like that. Well, I think one of the things working against them is, and you correct me if I have this wrong, you know, a lot of times these reunions, money drives the reunion, but I believe they split everything four ways equally. Isn't that they right? Did. Yeah. So, I mean. That's, I think that's part of the reason why they all like each other. Yeah. So if, if, if one person's hurting for money, odds are everybody is. Yeah. And, I mean, look, unless somebody just has, has really poor health or, you know, or, or they're just terrible with money, that's never going to be an issue. Right. Yeah, the financial part of it. All right, so we both agree on Uncle Tupelo and REM. Why don't you uh, why don't you hit the next one that we agree on, Chris? All right, I put one that that um, it seems like most all of the uh, '80s, you know, hard rock, hair bands, metal, whatever you want to call them, seems like most all of those are together. Some of them, you know, some of even have some two. Form. Some of even have two versions of being together. Yeah, I mean they're at least together the best they can be. Let's put it that way. And I guess the band we're going to talk about kind of falls into that category. But you know, and that's uh, that's Skid Row. But a lot of these bands, their singers were never as dynamic as, as Sebastian. They were never the the front man that Sebastian was, and they certainly didn't have the pipes that Sebastian had. So I would really like to see that, and I. And I would really like to see it. I don't think they'd ever get, they'd probably do, it still wouldn't be a huge, huge tour. Um, it just wouldn't be. I mean, it's going to be a, a select pe- group of people that really want to see it. But if they, I could see them, especially with his friendship, with uh, Axel's friendship, with, with um, I mean, with Sebastian's friendship with Axel Rose, I could really see them getting on as an opener. Guns and Roses. Oh, they really yeah, missed I mean, an I, opportunity a couple years ago with that. Yeah, and I think if they had been together, they would have got. To, I think they. I really think they would have at least got a few dates. But um, man, you know, that's just one of that's one of those ones that Rachel Bolin absolutely despises Sebastian. I I feel almost a hundred percent confident all the other guys would do it. I think they all would. Rachel Bolin will not do it, and. You know we've we've said this before, and we're not. I'm not joking when I say it. I wonder if Sebastian just slept with his wife, because you think about what else can you not get past. And I will say, I mean, I, I can see somebody not ever wanting to talk to somebody ever, ever, ever again if they portrayed them in that way. You know, so many people say, you know, that it's because. Sebastian booked them booked them to open for Kiss on that reunion tour without asking everybody else. But man, that can't be. And there's no to, there's, way yeah. you can't get over that. There's no yeah. way you can't get over something like that, right? So but, I did it make him mad? Sure. There's, no, he's not going to hold a grudge that long. Like I'll never play with the guy again. Now one That'd of the stupid one of the things I think a lot of people may not know uh, is that Sebastian was not the original lead singer. They had. Uh, basically recorded that debut album with another singer. So it's not like Sebastian had, you know, a lot of ownership in this band, you know, Snake and Rachel started the thing and it's, it's their baby and they're calling the shots. And I kind of feel like Snake maybe in the situation that Gene Simmons is, is with Paul Stanley, you know, where just basically he has to acquiesce to what Rachel wants, but I, it would be nice, man, if, if they could get together and do a run, I would go see it for sure. Yeah, and I would too, but like I said, it just seems like it's all about, for whatever reason, whatever, whatever that reason is, Rachel Bowling just cannot get past it, and, that's, and that doesn't sound like he ever will, you know, because if they haven't by now, I mean, I, they definitely, on, on the list of people we're talking about, we'd like to see a reunion, they're, they're going to be one of the harder ones to see actually happen. Right. Well, so um, we've gone through the three that Chris and I have, I'm looking at my list, the three that Chris and I have in common, so... Uh, you cannot talk about a reunion without talking about our friends, the Gallagher brothers. Uh, talking about two guys that don't like each other, Noel and Liam Gallagher. I would love to see Oasis get together and um, and tour again. Uh, they would definitely draw a ton of money, not necessarily in America, but man, internationally. When they went out, they were still doing you know soccer stadiums in South America and you know very very large arenas um, in Europe and. 
you know, on Twitter, Liam openly says on Twitter all the time, hey, Noel, let's get, you know, let's get things back together. But I just can't see in the foreseeable future Noel Gallagher, you know, um, wanting to go put up with that again. Especially, I mean, his solo career is definitely more successful than Liam's. I mean, Liam had BDI, which I didn't like. And then Liam's solo album is not that great. And Noel has now put out two really good albums and one good album and um you know he just seems to be in a happy place and uh, you go on youtube and watch him dancing in the crowd with like bono's wife at a youtube concert you know he just seems to be a happy guy and i think he's probably like i can make a good living you know by myself so why would i go back and put up with all that but um for me i would love to see them get back together and uh and, and do a tour and their last album I thought was really, really good. The couple leading up to that weren't that great, but the last one I thought I would put it maybe as their third best album. Well, I just, I, I'm not the, I'm obviously don't follow them, keep up with them like you. I've never the fan that you are, but I, I don't know. I just look at them as one of those bands that they're always, I don't think they'll, I don't think they're never brothers. You know, I think they will always, there's always a chance of them being back together. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just my opinion, and I think it will happen. Well, especially when 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 half the equation is publicly saying, "Let's stop all this and get back together." Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it's just just my opinion and my gut is it's not a matter of man. I hope it's a matter of when will it, right? You know, um, and then to that point, I'll go with one that I think is that it's it's happened in some to some degree. It has happened. But only three shows, and that's the Misfits. Um, yeah, I just would like to see a full blown tour. I, I don't know what's stopping them at this point. I mean, I, I know, I know the the brothers don't get along too well with with uh, Glenn. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, Doyle does get along with Danzig. It's Jerry only and Danzig that do not get along. But you know, you're going to make enough money on that tour where you have your own bus. And I, I you know, it's Danzig does okay on his tours, but he does he wouldn't do as well as if he did on a Misfits gig. And I know Jerry Only's not doing that great on his. So I, I think Jerry Only and Doyle would jump on it in a second. Um, but I would love to see him do something. And I think it'd be cool. I don't, I, I, I'm, I, I'd be curious to see what a new record out of them would sound like, you know, that, that many years, you know, um, I don't know if they could do it and pull it off, but I'd like to at least see him take a, take a shot at it and then the other is if they can't glenn going with glenn would just be so big it would be such a big event to do a, a full-blown tour maybe even do another record but if it you know i would love to see him with michael graves as well but i just know that glenn would be that would be the draw and that would be the bigger news but get together with michael graves and put a you know put out an album tour and i'm i'm gonna be a happy camper do you think they would ever do like a split bill with both of them because of Glenn, no. He's just, you know, I, I think, I think, um, I, I, th- I could see the brothers being okay with that. I think Graves would be okay with that. Glenn Danzig would not. Do you think he's just one of the harder people to get along with in music? Yeah, and I, I'm not sure that Jerry Only's a picnic, but um, I think that Glenn. I mean, Glenn is just a notorious. He's notoriously known as a jerk. I mean, look him up. You know, he's, there's not a lot of good stories on him, you know, so I know he's a difficult one. Um, but anyway, I, I, you know, I, I never thought they'd even do anything and they did three shows. So who knows the next time they do it, it may be a 15 city, you know, run, something like that. So I, I think we're closer. Well, the one, one I'm going to throw one out is, um, it legally can never happen because they can never use the name again, but. And, and I just don't think it's going to happen, but it would be a, just a dream. I, I would like to be able to see that uh, John Karabi era version of Motley Crue um, go out and tour. And I mean, they could do it under another name. Um, but uh, I feel like in recent years, you know, there's some animosity between Nikki and, and Karabi. And I think Nikki has, you know, tried to say that <clears throat> that wasn't a fun experience recording with them and that he had that John couldn't write and all this kind of stuff, which I, I just really don't believe all of that. Cause I think, um, I mean, look at Karabi stuff in the scream and 
you know, he's just such a dynamic singer and he just brought a heaviness to that band that, that they've never had before and certainly never had after. But, uh, I think that one's probably, well, it can't happen legally. They can't use the name Motley Crue, but I think they would have been more successful in the first place if they hadn't used the name Motley Crue and toured under something else. It's hard to say. I mean, the, the having Motley Crue at least had people an interest because you can, I, I understand what you're saying, but here's what I, here's how I would, and I, and I know it's, it wasn't an established singer like, you know, like uh, John Karabi, but who remembers Nikki Six's side project 58? Whoever talks about Brides of Destruction. Right. Well, they acted, so, like, they acted like they wanted to call it something else, and the record company forced them to, you know, call it Motley Crue. Now, the things I just mentioned were side projects with Nikki. So all three of the other guys minus Vince, you know, maybe. You know, I, I still think that the Motley name, I understand why the label wanted them to carry it. You know, the same way when Zach Wilde did Black Label Society, the label wanted him to carry it as Zach Wilde's Black Label Society. Right, that's what that Sonic Brew album is called, isn't it? In that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, I think that would be fun, but uh, that's not going to happen. So, but it's just one I was going to throw out there. We can all dream, isn't it, right, Chris? Yeah, and I'll go. So on that, I'm going to go with another one that I think is uh, extremely unlikely, because again, we're going with members hating each other. Um, but that's the Smiths. I, I, I don't think. I don't think we'll. You know, everybody says it'll never happen, but everybody said Guns N' Roses would never happen. You know, I don't think people thought Faith No More would ever happen. So all the people and all the critics and everybody you read about saying a, a Smith's reunion will never happen, you know, I'm going to go and say never say never on that one. You know, I, I could see it happening because Johnny Marr, you know, he's he's touring a new record. And I bet you he's not having the biggest crowds and he's not done, you know, had much of a career, you know, it hasn't had anything that great since then. Smiths are another band that would really have a success like they never had in their prime. And there's one that would not just be a few select cities. Yeah, I mean, I know the Smiths couldn't come play Memphis and play a big place. I get that. But they could go to any major city and sell out a very big venue. Uh, it would be a huge success of a tour. And I think that would be a cool one. And like I said, I, I'm, I won't say never say never. I know it's one of the more unlikely ones, but that'd be a really cool one. What is the source of the animosity between those two? I really don't know. I uh, And I still need to read Johnny Marr's book. I don't know if he gets into that. I hope he does. But I'm sure there's something in there. Because uh, it's kind of hard to avoid that topic when you don't get along with someone. Mm-hmm. But, but I, d- I do need to read that book. It's probably one of the next ones on my list. Um, I saw, I think it was on like Access TV or that MTV Live channel the other day. It was like a European festival, and he was playing um, How Soon Is Now. And uh, his solo band sounded pretty good. Don Morrissey? No, uh, Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, that one I, that one would fall into the line of Uncle Tupelo and the Misfits with... Uh, you know, go out, play, now, yeah. go out, play into a few hundred people and then come back and you're selling out arenas, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they did very well, in, you know, in Europe, but in the States, no, they were not doing, they were not doing much in the States. All right. So it looks like I only have two left. Um, I'm going to go with another band from the hair metal era that I would love to see get together. And uh, that is Cinderella. You know, they have not toured as Cinderella in, well, I think I may have saw them on their last tour, and I think it was in like 2004, maybe. Or no, I think they played after that. But I saw them. them I and, saw them probably around probably around five or six. Okay, I saw them and Winger open for uh, Poison, but you know, Kiefer has been touring this solo album now for like three or four years, which isn't bad. It's not a bad album, and I think he plays about half Cinderella songs in his set and. Um, Eric Brittingham, you know, for a long, well, no, I think he started just this past year or two playing for Brett Michael with Brett Michaels. And, um, then you have, you know, Fred Curry and Jeff LaBar. And I forget, Chris, we've talked about it. One of those guys kind of has a reputation of being hard to get along with, don't they? 
I don't know. I I I don't know that any of them get don't get along with each other. I, the only thing I can tell you is I I uh, have bet three of the four of them. You know, everybody but Kiefer. And um, I would say uh, Eric was you know pretty nice guy. Labar was a nice guy. He, at first, he thought I was hitting on his wife, and he wasn't too happy with me. But then he was very very nice to me. Um, and Fred Corey's a dick. <laughs> So there's no other way to put it. He's a dick. He's probably the biggest dick I've ever met. No, there's 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 some for sure animosity. I've listened to uh, a podcast interview with Tom Kiefer a couple a couple of months ago, and there's definitely you know he's like I'm not going to bring up you know dirt you know that's between the four of us, but he was just like you know I don't think it would be a fun situation. So, uh, but they um, you know they kind of to me fall in line with tesla a little bit uh they could get away from some of that hair metal stuff especially like their their last you know two albums but just man tom Kiefer is so such a good songwriter and uh you know very talented guitar player and you know piano player it's just kind of a shame they're not out out playing because you know they had a very good reputation of being a very great live band yeah i mean they're another one i put in the bucket that that not not shocking to have them get back together. So I, I think it's I think it's possible at some point, but who knows? Um, but but yeah, no, I mean I I like it's it's one I guess I don't really think about much. You know, I've seen them a couple of times and they're great live. I guess I've seen them what, maybe three times, and they're always great live. Um, and I agree with you, Kiefer solo record, it's good. You know, it's uh, it's different, but it's, it's de- good. It's it, well, it's it's def it's definitely, as you said, you know, they're not as much just straight up hair metal. Well, that album's not hair metal at all, right? You know, it's just not at all. And uh, especially like those ballads, he doesn't even sound like the you know, it's clean vocals. Um, so yeah, um, I'm gonna go with the next one is um, one that did happen for the 50th anniversary. The Beach Boys, and don't be fooled if you're not a big Beach Boys fan. Don't be fooled when you see the Beach Boys are touring. It's Mike Love, and God, I cannot forget the, the name of the guy. Bruce, I think, Johnson. He uh, Now, he's been with them. He, he uh, replaced Brian Wilson on tour back in the day. So he's been with them for years and years and years and years. So, I mean, I'm okay with calling him a Beach Boy. But if you've got Brian Wilson and Al Jardine, wanting to tour and you won't do it that just pisses me off and i think back to i think mike love everything he comes across like such a nice guy and on you read their interviews google some stuff on mike love he sounds like a nightmare um and he needs to take he needs to take that hat off every now and then yeah i think he is a total dick i mean he screwed over ron wilson and that after the after the uh after the number of shows that they were that they agreed to do on the 50th anniversary, Brian Wilson and Jardine wanted to keep the show going, and Brian Wilson or uh, Mike Love would not do it. He wanted no part of it. And I, I even read a quote one time where I, I think Brian Wilson says like he doesn't want to play with us. Um, and it's just it's ridiculous to me. It's like you know you wouldn't be anything without Brian Love. I mean I mean Brian Wilson, you'd be nothing. A nobody that never made it. Have you have you ever seen them in any incarnation? Yeah, I actually. I guess it was probably my first concert was was at the Beach Boys, which uh, it obviously it was Brian. I I don't get. I guess Brian Wilson wasn't. You know, I don't know if Brian Wilson was playing when I saw him or not. But Carl Wilson was still alive. Um, you know, and I've seen him a couple of times with. You know, the lineup basically that you have now. Well, not the lineup now. The lineup now changes constantly. It's just you know Mike Love and Bruce Johnson. I've seen I've seen them a few times. I saw um, Brian Wilson and, and Jardine when Brian Wilson was doing his uh, Pet Sounds tour. Um, so those guys, it's it's kind of like it's Jardine and Brian Wilson, and then you got Johnson and Mike Love over in the other camp. And then when they did tour on the 50th anniversary. They had the original guitarist, 
I think if I'm not, and I've seen like the little documentary on them before. I think that I think the original guitarist was just super, super young, and he ended up quitting the band, and um, before they ever got successful. And so when they did the 50th anniversary, they brought they brought him back in, which I thought was really cool. They tried to get it as close to original, and you know, with the surviving members that they had, they tried to get it as, do the best they absolutely could. And why Mike Love wants to do it, I don't know. But everything I've read, you you think because you probably people would probably be quick to think it's Brian Wilson because they know about the issues he's had. But it sounds like it's a hundred percent Mike Love. Well, I meant to tell you they're coming here in October. Um, I don't know, I'm, th- I'm thinking about I'm thinking about going um, just because I've never uh, it, seen them. I would. I mean, I, I I still it's not the same without Brian Wilson for sure. But you know they always. Michael, you know, as old as he is, and obviously they're not going to be able to, just like Brian Wilson can't either. They can't hit all the same notes and all with those harmonies that they would do, but they bring in young guys that can. So yeah, they still sound good. To the common person in the audience, they're not going to know any different anyway. No, no. They, they still sound good, and I would recommend go seeing them, but I just really want to see them get back together. All right, Chris, so I have one left. I think you have two left, but uh, this one is going to come to no surprise to anybody. Uh, the Gallagher brothers have at least one person that wants to get back together. The Robinson brothers uh, do not. Uh, I don't think the Black Crows are going to be playing anytime soon. Rich recently you know, said in an interview, I don't have a brother anymore. They haven't spoken in five years, and uh, just, man, there's a book coming out. Steve Gorman's got a book coming out next early next year um the guy Stephen Hyden who wrote that Twilight of the Gods book that we've had some people text us about he's writing the the, the Gorman book and um I think it's going to be uh interesting read he, you know I've heard Rich say you know just he's got the Magpie salute now and he's just so happy and you know just talks about all those tours with the Crows they just they just weren't happy times and uh um you know like I said I I've I got to meet Chris Robinson, and, and when I met him, he was as cool as he could be to me, and nice. So that's my that's my impression of him. But um, I don't think they're uh, going to get back together anytime soon. I don't think Chris is interested really in in playing that style of music much anymore. And I don't think Rich wants to put up with him. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that because I, I would definitely pay to go see it, especially now that. Uh, kind of everybody's made up with Mark Ford, you know, it would be the, the Ford era, but uh, and Ed Harsh is dead, so wouldn't have him on keys. But anyway, uh, we can, like I said, we can all dream. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. You have these these bands that have brothers in them. You have the Kinks, you know, you have Oasis, and you have the Black Crows, and they just, man, they just hate. Everly Brothers never, Everly Brothers never did mend the fence. Yeah, yeah, they just hate one another. Um, crazy, but um must be something. Must be something in their DNA, I guess, that causes that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame, you know. But they—they're probably one of those ones too. That again, I—I I think because they're brothers, even though they do hate each other, you know, and they're still—they're not necessarily young, but they're not that old. I still think that's another one that, you know, because I mean, it, I guess I'm looking at Black Crows and I'm looking at Oasis, and it's like, well, they've done it before. Right. Yeah, they just hate each other so much, and then they go spend time alone, and then they get back together, and then they'll want to kill each other, and they'll stop again. You know, what's crazy is they they toured together in '01. It was called the Brotherly Love Tour, and I've heard Liam, Noel, Rich, and Chris all say it was the greatest tour they've ever been on. And I wonder if, like backstage, Noel and Rich kind of look at each other like, "I feel you, brother." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, but. But I think, I mean, I think at least with your two bands you love so much, I mean, I would think you probably are going to get to see them again. Yeah, I would, I would like that. All right, Chris. So, who are your last two? Well, the next one I'm going to name is just they only did. I'd like to. I don't know what a, a new recording would sound like, and I'm not the biggest massive fan. I just know when I was, I think I was a freshman in college, or maybe in the summer right before I started college, the Sex Pistols toured, and they meant nothing to me because I just wasn't listening to that kind of stuff. And I think it'd be really, really cool to see Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols playing. You know, just they don't even have to do an album. You know, they only did the one album. That's fine. Just a tour, I think, would be so much fun. I know when they played in Memphis, again, I wasn't into them. They played uh, Mud Island, actually, and I think that would be really cool to see something like that. They, um, 
the thing is, people may think, okay, well, Sid Vicious is dead. Well, Sid Vicious wasn't the original basis. And he didn't really play. Basis. He didn't really even play, did he? Oh, everybody says he was just awful, awful, awful. And the original basis is mine. His name slips from mine right now, but he he played a significant role in the songwriting of Nevermind the Bullocks. So when they got back together, they had all the original guys basically when they did that summer tour, you know, back twenty years ago. So I think that would be kind of that'd be cool to see. And then the final one, one where I know you can chime in a little bit more, is uh, I put Led Zeppelin because you know I'm I'm okay with the fact that it's not you don't have. I mean, yeah, I wish John Bonham was on the drums. The fact that you could have his kid, who's a good drummer, and you still have. I mean, he's a good drummer, and it's not like it's not like you're getting a replacement. You're doing the best you can, you know. And it's not like it's the it's not like it would be three a four piece band, and they replace the singer. I really hate that. And I know he's one of the greatest rock drummers, but still, his, his son's no slouch, Jason Mm-mm. Bonham. Look at who all he's played with, and you know, and and just to have those those three guys give it one last one last run. And do a legitimate tour, I think it would be so cool. I don't, I don't need a new record. I actually don't want a new record because I don't think it'd be that good, Mm-mm. honestly. And I think it'd be a letdown. And I like the fact that, you know, even though I'm cool with Jason Bonham playing on a Zeppelin, you know, in a Zeppelin tour, I think that would be cool. I like the fact that every album was just those four guys, and I don't want another one. But. A tour, I think, would be very, very cool. Have you ever seen any of them in any incarnation? I've seen Robert Plant. I saw Page Implant actually in Memphis. Um, there's actually the last show of that tour they did that on that Walking into Clarksdale album that they did. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you got to wonder, like, what's up with Jimmy Page? Because for, you know, what, 69 to 80, they were so prolific. Um, churning out an album, <coughs> you know, every year and a half, and he just hasn't done anything since then. I know he had that Outrider album, and you know, I actually liked the Coverdale Page album. Um, I do too, a, a lot. I, I thought it was actually really good. But you just gotta wonder. I like that, like, I like that quote by Robert Plant when people are saying <coughs> it sounded like Zeppelin. Like, well, yeah, they sound like Zeppelin, but not a very good Zeppelin. <laughs> well, of course, you know, they those two. I think I've always <laughs> thrown some barbs at one another, but I just. Um, I don't know. You wonder if he's just creatively spent. Kind of like, uh, you hear that about Eddie Van Halen, because that album they did with David Lee Ross supposedly was a lot of stuff left over from like 77 or 78. I, uh, we're hopefully going to interview Greg Renoff at the Expo, and I would love to ask him about that. But, um, yeah, I would, man, I'd pay a lot of money to go see um, to go see that. Well, and I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard some you know, people say before too that they, you know is it maybe Robert Plant is being smart in the fact that he knows he can't hit those notes anymore. He sounded yeah. pretty good at that 2007 show though. Um, okay, you know when you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do, and I've never watched all that, but I don't know. I I don't know why they won't do it. Um, I well, I, I know why they won't. It's because of Robert Plant, and he's just so into the shapeshifters and doing that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know. I, I wish they would do it though. Just one, just give us one tour. Yeah. I mean, a it full would full blown Led Zeppelin tour. It would, it would, it would be as big or bigger than that GNR tour. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's no, it's no, you're not being disrespectful to, to your drummer. You got his kid there. Right. Right. All right. So that's going to wrap it up this week. Uh, like I said, uh, a fun little episode for everybody just so we could uh, get back in the swing of things. Um, Chris, I will see you uh, this weekend in Nashville at the Rockin' Pod, and I hope we have several podcasts worth of material that um, we get done there, and uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to see a lot of see some people we know and uh, uh, hopefully meet some new ones. So if you're in the area and want to go, it's at the Nashville Palace. It starts at 11 a.m., this Saturday, the pre-party the night before is at, uh, oh, I'm draw- drawing a blank on the name of the place in uh, 
downtown Nashville tour tours playing and then the band angel, uh, two of their original members. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the post party is going to be at the original basement there in Nashville and, um, Denman, who we heard play at, um, the uh, pre-party last year, who I think everybody that heard them came away impressed. I know you did, Chris. Yeah, yeah, really good, really, really good guitars. And they have uh, a new album coming out that uh, Michael Wagner uh, produced, and Michael Wagner is going to be at the uh, Podcast Expo. So who knows? Maybe we'll get to uh, you know talk to one of the more uh, legendary uh, hard rock and heavy metal producers. Uh, when I think of hard rock and heavy metal producers, he's pretty much the first one that comes to mind. So um, well, him and um, oh uh, Bob Rock. <laughs> Uh, those two but anyway like i said if you're in the area stop by and uh we'll have a table we'll have a banner and everything we've got some free stuff to give away and uh come say hello to me and chris we would really appreciate it so uh until next week we will uh, talk to you guys later and hope everybody has a good week thanks for listening